Hello and welcome to another episode of Crunch Numbers, where we talk everything finance related. Today, we will find out what is a trader, what does a trader do, are there several types of trader? Also, what's the difference between a conservative investor and a more progressive investor? How does that risk averseness actually affect the way you manage your portfolio? What types of investments are you more prone to participate in? Um, regarding that, of course, we'll talk about uh, cryptocurrencies, namely Bitcoin, and a little bit about the news on the short squeeze of GameStop. Should there be regulation for such a market manipulation? What does that say about the rationality of investors and the theory of market efficiency? So today, our guest is an experienced trader, uh, regional manager at Infinox Capital, Tiago Cardoso. So join us as we dive into the world of finance. Thank you so much, Tiago, for, for joining us. It's truly a pleasure. So uh, today we're going to start to talk about a little bit about your career, about trading, uh, a little bit about cryptocurrencies. So what are they? How do how is their price influenced? And um, with a little nuance about uh, portfolio managing. Uh, so for starters, can you tell us a little bit uh, about your path, academics and career in general? Yeah, thank you very much uh, beforehand um, for having me here. It's always a pleasure. Um, I, I actually started very early um, to try to understand a little bit about, about trading. I remember when I was, uh, uh, I believe around like 10, 10 years old, I remember in the mornings to watch your news and every day uh, they, they, they were, they were um, they were showing the, the performances of the stock market. And I always, every day looking at that, I, I always try to um, understand a little bit more. I was very, very young. Um, and I believe that uh, was the foundation of some of the interest that then built up uh, with, uh, within myself. Then I had the opportunity to start trading with, um, with a demo account when I, when I was uh, around 15, uh, 15 years old. And it was very interesting because um, it wasn't actually a, a demo account. Back then, there was no demo account, so you had to actually uh, fund your account. So I spoke with my with my with my father, spoke with my parents, and they ended up uh, funding that account. I I then started trading myself on a real account, um, but obviously without knowing much about the markets, without knowing much about what I was. Doing, I remember my first trade was actually, I, I think I bought Euro against the Icelandic Kron, which is a, a currency that then uh, then was, uh, was, was extinguished. Um, but it's interesting to see that the market before was very different, different than what it is now. And the kind of information that we had before was completely different than, than, than we have now. So I started trading myself. I started... Um, I started learning with my, my own, own errors, with my own mistakes. Um, I remember I tried every single indicator that, that, that existed. Uh, I had RSIs, moving averages, uh, Bollinger Bands, Ishimoku Clouds, everything. I tried everything, always on a, on a real account, never on demo. And I think the fact that I, I started by training on a, trading on a real account was what created in myself a mindset where I took it very seriously because it was real money. It wasn't a demo account. It wasn't fake money. And when it's fake money, people just give it a try and they don't take it seriously enough. Um, but, but 
all of that uh, aggregated led me to um, to try to understand things better, to try to learn it better, and I I, I ended up um, being very profitable when I was 17, 18 years old. Reminder that you cannot open an account when you are uh, under 18. I was lucky enough to <laughs> use my, my father's account. Um, but uh, but I, I actually had had uh, amazing amazing returns. I was studying at university back then, but that was a second. Like I, I wasn't paying too much attention. I was every day just looking at the screen, just trying to learn a bit more. The the trading environment is not like like it is right now, which I think everyone right now, everyone who's 18 or 19 or 20 years old, everyone knows what Forex is because of all the movements that, that exist uh, around with all the trading curses that are, are sold uh, uh, everywhere. Uh, some of them are good, some of, of them are not, but uh, there wasn't uh, the awareness that there is that, that exists today. And um, that was interesting because that was very exotic for me because no one knew what what forex was no one knew we had we had i think it was like three brokers here in portugal that that allowed us to to trade forex it was through the saxo bank platform i was trading back then with with bank best i remember euro dollar was um, the cost to trade with euro dollar was five pips now nowadays it's almost zero pips the cost Plus, you had to pay a commission, so it was really it was a completely different time back then. But again, developing myself, I, I ended up I ended up uh, um, taking it very very seriously. I ended my 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 university, and uh, I had um, I was lucky enough to have my first uh, first job in a broker, uh, which was XTB back then. Um, and then I had the chance to understand how a broker works. Um, also to develop a bit of uh, of uh, of the sales side which is also always important in your life to 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 develop your 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 sales skills because you will always need to sell something in the future if not yourself a product if not a product you will always have to sell yourself and um, so that was very interesting because I, I had the chance to learn how how to work in a broker how everything works uh, in the back end um, how everything works the Behind the, the graphics, behind the platform, um, and that that was really really interesting. I stayed there for around uh, eight years, nine years, and then I had the chance to, to come to Infinox, where um, where, where it's, it's a completely different world, um, because I, I have the chance to work worldwide. I have the chance to, to work with people uh, in Africa, people in Asia, people in South America. Everyone is really different. The cultures are completely different. Uh, but we have a more uh, worldwide perspective of uh, of the dynamics of these markets and uh, and of, of different types of uh, of clients. So, all in all, that that was a bit of my path. Um, and of course, I, I, I keep trading. I I, I look a lot. I, I I pay a lot of attention to, to crypto cryptocurrencies market, to the stock market. All of them, all of these these different assets. Uh, should require different perspective in the way you approach the the, the trading of these assets, um, but it's something obviously that I, I believe I will be doing until I die. So uh, I see. Even when there wasn't a lot of information, uh, you already had that interest, and you, from what I, I, I perceived, you went to research for yourself, uh, got a little bit of uh, hands-on experience. But uh, in, the, in today, uh, in today's age, 
there is a lot of information available. We can all research with our phones, um, call anyone, go to a seminar and hear someone talk. But still, um, I think the, the, the perception of people that they know something instead of going to research uh, is increasing. So they think they know, but they actually don't know. So in this sense, um, I think we, most of us have seen the Wolf of Wall Street movie. So uh, that big brokerage firm. Uh, so is that really what the trader is? Uh, is that the life of a trader? What is the day of a trader? Not a, no, no. It, it's nothing like that. Uh, it's nothing like that. Obviously, that's that's a, a dramatic uh, approach of the of the how it was. Probably it was like that in the, in the back in the days when we 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 obviously were weren't alive back then. But nowadays, I think um, I think there's different types of um, of of traders, different types of how people approach trading. Um, I had the chance to work with a lot of amazing traders uh, in my life, uh, as, as my clients, as partners, and they are all different. You have the people that that, that are very low profile uh, in the way they, they, they deal with, 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 with the market. They, they keep themselves very low profile. They don't show up. Uh, they don't show off the results. Those are actually the, the, the most important people that I have met, the most, the most successful people that I have met, the ones that don't show off the, the results. Um, and it's inter interesting because they, they end up being the, the ones who, who, who work the most, who research the most, um, and have a clear, uh, a clear trading plan, uh, opposite to the ones that just like to show off or just like to, 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 um, to fake that they really think they know, they know what, uh, what they are doing. But I think it's um, it's it's very different uh, from everyone's perspective. Um, I think it's more on uh, on, uh, on, uh, on on planning the the kind of trades or or the, or the kind of uh, approach to the market that you want to have, rather than just spend the day in front of a computer. And that is, I believe that the majority of people think a trader just stays the the whole day in front of a computer, just looking at the graphics. And that's it. Actually, it's not. The, the best traders are the ones who are very clear in their ideas, are very clear in the way they, they, they manage their risk. They are very, they have very good tools to mitigate the risk they, they, they do and they just let the profits run, they just let their strategies run. And that's basically it. I also had the opportunity to, to meet a lot of algo traders. Um, and those are basically uh, a completely different uh, segment of trading. They basically they are basically computer engineers where they they are just basically uh, trying to 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 fix or to improve or to tweak the algorithms that they develop, and they don't care about what's going on on the calendar, what's going on with the, with the Fed, what's going on with with the graphics. They just look at the algorithms and they the all their day just to try to fix that and to tweak and to to improve the, their algorithms. So it's very different the the, the kind of traders that exist, the, the kind of, uh, the type of day that a, a trader uh, has, it's completely different from the different type of traders that exist. So, and um, with this increase in, in info, there is also a larger accessibility of people to the stock market. We just need to install an app on our phones, register on the platform, and then we become an investor, essentially, with or without the prior knowledge. So, um, 
regarding this, do you um, are you registering an increase of uh, new accounts in, in your platform, or do you think that uh, that movement uh, was strictly in the USA? No, not at all. I think it's um, it's um, it's worldwide, um, and it's interesting because I have uh, obviously a, a worldwide perspective of um, of this phenomenon. I'm not, I'm not just based in the Portuguese market. I I see regions like Africa that are are really really um, now getting into 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 this kind of uh, of activity. They are basically learning a lot about trading. They are very eager to 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 start trading. And I believe that right now, uh, looking globally at our operations, uh, I think Africa is the country where we have seen more more registration. Probably because they now have access to information they didn't have or they don't like two years ago or five years ago they didn't have the information or the access to information that an american citizen had or an european citizen now they are having access to those that kind of information they are uh, they are developing themselves uh, technologically they are uh, discovering new ways of uh, accessing the markets and it's, it's really interesting to see that uh, probably africa india and uh, South America in some countries is where, where we have seen a, the biggest increase in, uh, in clients. Obviously, obviously they, they, they end up always trading, uh, I would say, more indices rather than, 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 the, than Forex or than commodities. Um, I think they, they are nowadays aware that trading an indice, it's probably cheaper, it's probably uh, less riskier than just trade one stock. Um, and um, and, and it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's different regions, they, they don't have access to platforms that we have. Uh, so they basically trade on the, on the mobile phone. So uh, it, it's really interesting to see this phenomenon in these different uh, geographies. And, um, and I think it's, it's, it's a trend that is going, is going to, to, to keep happening in the, in the future. But definitely a, a, a very big increase in terms of, the, of the accounts open and new clients that we have worldwide, but specifically in these regions. And so from what I perceive, um, there is a, a, a dis, uh, difference between our generation and the previous generation in the type of mentality that we have when it comes to investments. Uh, even when the previous generation was our age, um, I perceived them as more conservative, but uh, also in their age, there, was, there weren't as many options as there are today. So we have a lot of growth companies, uh, technological companies, but we also have uh, access to uh, a lot of derivatives and uh, cryptocurrencies even. Um, so in this sense, do you think uh, younger investors uh, are being stolen by cryptocurrencies um, they're being moved away from the traditional equity and bond market to the cryptocurrency market? That's a good question, but I think it's generational. Um, I think that the generation before um, perceived stocks a bit like the generation now perceives crypto. Because back then you just had uh, a couple of, of, of instruments to, to trade people were less uh, less uh, keen to risk um, as much as they are today so they were more uh, they were more keen to trade or to invest in different in different assets 
we are talking about real estate, we are talking about uh, uh, even bonds and, 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 and fixed income, and they saw stocks, and, and one of one of the, the, the phenomenon that, that justify that is, for example, the, the, the pump and dump of, if we want to call it, the pump and dump of Nasdaq in the, in the early 2000, um, where people started to, to, to trade tech stocks, stocks that had no fundamental behind to have that kind of valuation. And if we look at now, that's, that's a bit of what's happening with, the, with cryptocurrencies. Um, we have thousands and thousands of big cryptocurrencies. Each one uh, justifies its value by mentioning just one or two features that in the end doesn't have any value, uh, but people buy them. And one of the good examples is, for example, what's happening today. Just today, we, we are seeing, uh, and we have seen the, the pump and up of, uh, of GameStop and AMC and so on. And we are seeing today a bit of, of that in the crypto markets with Dogecoin. Um, and the manipulation that can exist in these markets are, are much bigger, which if we go, if we speak to a 19-year-old and if we ask them if they want to buy Apple, where they can get 1.5% uh, dividend per, 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 per year and probably, um, probably a return of 5% uh, per, per year, does he prefer that or does he prefer the chance to lose everything but also be be able to to make like two thousand percent a year or two thousand percent in a in a in a big movement that dogecoin can have or ethereum can have obviously these people that young investors are more keen to risk young investors are more keen to uh, try to discover what they they have no idea about what it is and i think that the fact that we are seeing young investors to move more towards trading crypto is based on that it's based on the fact that they really want to understand a bit more about easy money, they want to to learn how they can have access to, to better returns. They don't actually look on the long term, they just look at the short term. But I think that's part of the age, I think it's part of the, the, the learning curve that an investor needs to have. Everyone was, I was like that, obviously uh, everyone needs to make to make 10% a day or 100% in a, in a week, everyone wants that. But we need to, to get burn on those movements. Uh, we need to get burn on uh, on uh, on potential pump and up schemes to understand really that that doesn't make sense for an investor and that doesn't make sense for the long the, the long run. So uh, I think what uh, from what I talk to people, uh, what many don't uh, don't understand is uh, what influences the price of the cryptocurrency. Is it just uh, demands? And the supply, um, because I, I've seen an article today uh, regarding Elon Musk, and it, this is not the first time that's happened. So Elon Musk added in his bio hashtag Bitcoin, and uh, today just jumped 20% higher. Uh, so uh, what exactly influences the price of the cryptocurrency? Just purely offer and demand. And the fact that the demand is moved by the FOMO is moved by the fear of missing out. Remember that Bitcoin 10 years ago when it was created, or 11 years ago, uh, when it was created, uh, it was worth basically zero. And how, how, how much was the return of those who bought uh, Bitcoin when it was one year old, when Bitcoin was just created? It's ridiculous, the, the returns. And 
people are really, really hang, uh, hungry for missing that, for missing those movements. And they think they that because Bitcoin went up or another crypto, any other cryptocurrency went up 100, 200, 1,000, 10,000 percent, that will help happen again. And it's much more easier for that to happen in a cryptocurrency rather than on a stock or on an indice or on a, on a, on a, on a currency or on a commodity. So the kind of investor that attracts, uh, that is attracted to trade cryptocurrency is the investor that is one, manipulated and that's the case, for example, for what we see with uh, with uh, with Elon Musk and what we saw today, for example, when he posted on his profile just the word Bitcoin and Bitcoin went up 10%. And 10% in, 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 in the Bitcoin market cap, it's a lot. It's not, it's much more than, than what it is in with GameStop. Um, so I think it's that they are driven by the manipulation, by the fact that they can make easy money with, uh, with, uh, with trading crypto and with the fact that they, they, they have the fear of missing out on uh, another possible, possible bull run where they can make another 100%. And the, the, the kind, again, the kind of, of, uh, of, um, of investor, of trader that trade on, on, on cryptocurrency is a very young trader. It's a very young profile. It's a very young profile that doesn't have any, uh, any idea of, of what trading is. It's, 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 a, it's not that we cannot even call him, call him a trader, but it's a, it's a person that uh, doesn't know what Bitcoin is or doesn't know what the cryptocurrency is. They just know that his friend made money or they saw someone in the internet saying that they made money and they want that. Then they have, again, the fear of missing out on that, the phone. So it's essentially a very speculative, very volatile market. But do you think it's worth exploring, uh, particularly for younger investors that don't have uh, that many safe for retirement? So they are, they have um, a much higher security when investing because they don't really need that money per se. For sure, um, and obviously, with my, I'm just saying this uh, sounds like I'm, I'm being very, very rough on on crypto. That's that's not true because I really, I really believe in what. Uh, in, in some things, uh, some things that that Bitcoin uh, defends by himself, by itself. But I think it's important for people to not be fooled by what. And I, I've been trading crypto for a long time. I I burned myself a lot in a lot of ICOs four years ago, five years ago. So I I, I understand I understand that uh, there should be more research on 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 some projects that, that are out there. But if we want to be, if we want to essentially just look at Bitcoin, Bitcoin actually is a great asset. It's a great asset that protects you against, uh, against inflation. It's a great asset that uh, gives you the possibility of um, hedging yourself against, against uh, inflation um, in a digital way, when back then it was only gold. And Part of the reason why Bitcoin is, is, is growing so much is not because of the young investors that are buying Bitcoin. It's actually because of the institutions that uh, are buying ETFs of, uh, of Bitcoin. And if you, if you look at uh, what happened this year with COVID and what happened with central banks um, raising a lot of, uh, a lot of money, uh, injecting a lot of money, a lot of liquidity in the market, led to, um, 
to a, a, a lot of demand for Bitcoin because it's an asset that cannot be increased. It's not like our euros or our dollars that are printed every single day. And because of that, because of the stock of the um, of uh, of do dollars of or of euros that are growing constantly the the price of it uh, decreases with bitcoin that doesn't happen and the fact that we have seen a lot of investors and institutional investors protecting themselves against that um that decreasing value of uh, of um, of dollars and of euros of fiat led to a to a big demand in uh, in bitcoin and it is it, interesting to see that the uh, a lot of this, uh, uh, how much did Bitcoin increase this these last six months? Probably, I would say probably 300%. Um, a lot of that increase was actually uh, demand from these institutions. We can see that by the ETFs because young investors don't buy an ETF that's, that has has uh, has Bitcoin has, has a collateral. Um, yeah, it's interesting to see that and it's interesting to see that um, that is what is holding is holding the, the the demand for not only for for bitcoin but for basically all the the crypto assets those that offer obviously some uh, some safety so uh we've talked a bit about portfolio but um in a more theoretical approach or uh, so for the general population uh, for the casual investor that doesn't have much uh, to invest how do you think that portfolio should be structured? And does it change depending on the size of the portfolio? So uh, investors with less money should buy different assets than investors with uh, more money? I think that's up for each individual to, to decide, not in terms of the, the dollar value or euro value of your of your portfolio, but in terms of the, the, the position that you want to have in terms of, of risk, the approach that you do with the, with the risk. Probably, if I'm a young investor and I have ten thousand dollars to invest, I'll probably be looking at stocks that um, that have grown a lot, but that still have a lot of room to to still grow in the next uh, in the next twenty years. Uh, probably, I will be looking at uh, Bitcoin. Probably, I'm not going to be looking at buying. Uh, uh, 10 year 10 year uh, 10 year treasuries from from united states okay or etfs that track the s p 500 probably i will be keen to take a little bit more risk in my in my in my portfolio but i, I think it depends on the on the type of approach that we have to risk i personally what i like to do is i like to to look at stocks on uh, on a very long-term perspective and to also approach small uh, short-term opportunities that, that arise and we had the case with with uh, with golds uh, in the last few months we had the 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 the, the opportunity of shorting dollar uh, in the last few months also with with the central bank with the fed uh, increasing the, the 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 balance sheet which led to a, a devaluation a big devaluation of the dollar uh, which led us to 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 take a the opportunity of buying, for example, NZD USD, Australian uh, Australian dollar, Euro dollar. Um, I think we should be prepared, and we should um, have a small portion of our portfolio to take advantage of those riskier and short-term opportunities that, that otherwise. And this year was an amazing year, or 2020 was an amazing year to to take uh, take the opportunity to to be on those short-term 
short-term uh, uh, opportunities. But it was also a great year to let our uh, long-term our long-term approach to, to to run. And if you have bought Apple two years ago, if you have bought uh, Microsoft two years ago, those are quite safe stocks, even though they are on the technological side. Uh, but they also grew a lot. And even though they, they are more safe bets, they still had almost the same return as the, 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 the more riskier uh, bets that we would, uh, we would take. So I think it's, in the end, to answer the question, I think it, it depends on the age. It depends uh, because of the age, led, depends also on the risk you want to take, but not much in terms of, um, of, uh, of the size, the dollar size of your portfolio. Because in the end, it's all about percentages. Um, if you have a 100 euro portfolio or a 100,000 euro portfolio, you should always treat, it, treat them exactly with the same percentage split in terms of the short-term opportunities and the long-term opportunities that, that you have to, to, to capture. And how do you combine those short-term and long-term opportunities? So how do you combine trading with investing? Well, personally, I, I look at investing more on um, on the on with the stock uh, with long-term stocks that I want to 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 to, to let the profits run. I tend to look at stocks that grow the port, um, the dividends mainly. Um, I look a lot at, at rates uh, that obviously pay a, a very high dividend. Uh, they don't offer as much of a growth opportunity as the tech stocks, but still they pay you a lot in dividends, and that that creates your 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 um, your yearly income that you will then reinvest um, in buying other more more stocks. Um, so I, I tend to look on the on the long term perspective. I tend to look more in buying stocks that pay you or that not not only pay you a good a good dividend, but also grow that dividend on long term. And if they are growing the dividend, means that they are being profitable. And if they are being profitable and they are being successful, this means that the price of the stock has has everything to to, to increase in the long term because that will attract more more investors. So I have my portfolio. I I I, I leave that portfolio to grow themselves usually when i buy a stock i tend never to to sell that stock my idea is to have that stock forever with me for the next 30 to 40 to 40 euros years um, and then i have a smaller portfolio smaller percentage uh, 10 15 percent top tops that i used to 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 um, to try to identify short-term opportunities and I, I just said that we had a, a lot of opportunities this year with the with uh, with commodities we had the oil going to the futures of, of oil uh, i think it was the march futures to go or may futures to go to negative territory so we had a, a, an amazing year of short-term opportunities and that is the kind of that that percentage 10 to 15 percent is the, the the percentage that i left live in a, in a different account where i try to identify these opportunities they might arise they might not but um, we have to be prepared for, for those opportunities, and we have we always have to, to leave some 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 cash, uh, some free cash to 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 try to to, to take those 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 opportunities. So uh, you mentioned earlier GameStop. So uh, with the recent chart squeeze, um, how do you view it? Uh, what does it say about the rationality of investors and uh, the theory of market efficiency? 
It's very interesting because uh, this is probably uh, this is not the market rationality fault. This is uh, Fed's fault, and this is the fault. The, the, this this happened because with the amount of liquidity that we have in the market, um, there is chance to do this. And I mean, is it legal to do this? Do we need more regulation to 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 stop this. In the end of the day, there was more people wanting to buy the stock rather than selling the stock. And um, on one side, you have hedge funds trying to make money on on, on, on shorting stocks. That actually true. There's no fundamental for this, those stocks to, to grow. Only fundamentals to see that the price decrease in the in the in the in the medium to long term, which is the case of GameStop, which obviously is a, it's a, it's a very weak company. Um, on the other side, we have so much liquidity in the market that you can just gather around one thousand. I think it was much, many more, much more people than that, but can can gather around one thousand people, ten thousand people, a hundred thousand people, and try to manipulate the market um, and take take advantage of of all that uh, that liquidity. This is not new. This is something that has happened so many times in the in the past. We had that. We had this happening so many times here in Portugal, with, for example, with BCP, with the stocks of, of BCP that happened a lot in the past, where just a group of people tried to manipulate the, the price. Um, we see that every day in in, in, in small cap uh, stocks with the pump and dump schemes that exist. This was the first time, or as as long as I remember, in the, the last few years, that we we have seen this happening in um, in a in a in a big stock or in a big name that, that a lot of hedge funds are tracking to, to short. So I think it's not it's not efficiency of the market. It's actually, they are very effective. That's, that's, that's why it grew up the stock because there were more people buying rather than, than selling, although there were a lot of people selling. But it's also it also happened because there are a lot of companies, a lot of hedge funds that are shorting the shorting stocks and avoiding the price to to go up on a more organic basis and these hedge funds are looking at companies and there are a lot of investors not only hedge funds that look at companies and they look at the the the, the short flow the short um, position that the, that that stock has and unfortunately a lot, a lot of people are now looking at that as a fundamental of the the company which is not true Looking at the the short the, the short positions and the percentage of shorting positions that the stock has should never be a fundamental of the of of the stock. There is a consequence of the fact that the stock is bad, or or good, or as bad as people perceive it is. So I don't think I don't think it's uh, it, it, it's something that we 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 are going to see in in the future. I think that every time we we pass through a situation like this. Uh, the the market participants tend to defend themselves. So I believe that the fact that this happened to GameStop, happened to AMC, even happened to Bed Bath and Behind, Beyond, um, will 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 lead the, the market participant participants, uh, mainly those hedge funds that are shorting stocks, to avoid being short squeezed and um, and avoid taking these these again. So I think we are not going to see this again. I, I, I know that this is being this there is training on there, there is a, a some post training on on Reddit 
uh, with these people trying to do this again, but in the, the cryptocurrency market, mainly on Doge. Doge went up like one thousand. Dogecoin went, went up like one thousand percent since since yesterday. They wanted to grow two thousand percent more. So I think these people are now, or this group of people that are trying to manipulate these prices, are now trying to go to less regulated markets like cryptocurrencies. It will always happen this as long as there are the freedom to buy and to sell. So uh, for my final question, uh, I want to base them on, on two perspectives. So uh, first, we can see that there is a, a growing tendency to not exactly look at the fundamentals of a company uh, in order to invest. We can see that with Tesla, that uh, has a, a PE ratio of around 800 to 1,000, which is in incredible. Um, so we could translate that to this case. But also, uh, why is there a need to talk about regulation now? Um, because uh, can you explain to me the difference between uh, um, a group of Reddit users rallying to buying a stock and uh, big hedge funds coming on national TV and talking and advising to buy that stock for uh, their own uh, portfolio to grow up? So what's the it's basically the same. It's 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 this it's as similar as it is, and we have the example of uh, of um, of Elon Musk. Uh, constantly doing that on his his Twitter account. If it's not Signal, it's uh, GameStop. If it's not GameStop, stock is is today Bitcoin. This will always happen, unfortunately. Um, do we need as much regulation? How do we approach regulation to these guys? How do we um, regulate them? How do we regulate someone to use his social media account? It's impossible. How do we regulate this kind of stuff? It's it's very difficult. And we see that, for example, the, the brokers try to, 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 to avoid bigger losses with, uh, with stopping the trading of, of GameStop. Uh, they stopped the game, as they said. Um, but from a regulatory perspective, I think it's very difficult for the regulators. Yes, they can, uh, they can decrease the leverages, uh, just like they did two years ago with, uh, with, uh, with, with the brokers. Um, they can put a lot of limitations, but in the end, um, it's uh, it's a group of people that are boosting more demand than offer, which will always leave a stock to grow up or to fall according to to what people want. So uh, you're saying it's difficult to regulate. Um, my question is, should it be regulated? I tend to believe that the free market is the, the way to go, uh, but uh, also I'm not a fan of the naive market, and uh, that might put a lot of investors in a situation where they cannot defend themselves. And the regulation exists or should exist to defend the, the investors that don't understand or don't know how to protect themselves of, of the risk of the, of the market. Regulation should exist, obviously, always, um, for the market participants. But living our, living, when we live in a, in a society that uh, that is led by the free market. It's very difficult to regulate the market by itself. You can regulate the market participants, but never the market. Okay, uh, so that was my final question. Uh, Tiago, thank you so much for coming. Uh, thank you very much. Our listeners learned from you as much as I did. Uh, so thank you so much for coming. And uh, please uh, leave a like on your social media. We'll identify Tiago. Please stop by his Instagram page and his website. It's all there. So I'll see you all next time. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure.